This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. Today's innovations are tomorrow's possibilities. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Valchunas. This week, we have some news. You mean the internal news? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got promoted. I got a new job. You did? Yeah. You I... are now editor of Business Week, man. Yeah, Bloomberg Business Week. That's uh, wild. I can't believe I'm sitting right across from you. I, I'm so excited. No, it's great. I'm, my life is moving, moving at a new velocity. Oh, I know. You have been a harder man to get a hold of. I've been having to print out the notes a little more often. Um, yeah, true. You're, you have to pick up. You're a bigwig. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm so excited, though. It's going to be great. So I have a new job, but you have the same old job. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still tolerable. <laughs> so uh, in, in this capacity, in your old job, <laughs> you got to go to Florida recently for basically what is the, the world's biggest trade show for ETFs called Inside ETFs. Yes, this is the one to go to. This is, uh, I, I refer to it as the Comic-Con of ETFs. You could argue it's a little Catalina wine mixer. It's <laughs> the event. It's uh, really big. It's 11 years now. Uh, this year, there were 2,400 people. I've been going for seven years. Uh, when it first started, there was only 438 people there. So huge uh, bump up. There were 25 sponsors the first year. This year, there were 120 sponsors and booths. Right. So it's just getting bigger. The whole hall is full of of booths. And I remember when I first went seven years ago, I remember seeing a guy with a fishing shirt and shorts on like advisors would go there and just <laughs> go to a few panels and then go deep sea fishing. Because it's in what? Fort Lauderdale? It's in Hollywood, Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. And it was very casual. It's gotten more corporate and there's bigger companies. You know, there's uh, big Wall Street firms. There's big buy side firms. Not everybody's in a suit and tie. I mean, I went tieless, but I definitely dressed up. But there's no more fishing shirts and anything like that. But one thing I will say is, you know, it's interesting. You look at the ETF industry. All told, ETFs make about $7 billion in revenue every year. So, you know, when I first went, the, I remember my colleague in data going to the SALT conference, which is the hedge fund one. They got like Joe Biden, Mike Tyson, Jeb Bush, cigar and vodka parties. This, I went there, there was an ice cream social and a U2 cover band because there's just less money, right? I do think there has been a little more money into the industry and a little more marketing dollars in because this year they had Serena Williams. Um, they had a, a General McChrystal. Celebrities, um, like yeah. real, real people. Yeah, Are, are real you people. a celebrity when you go there? Do people feel like you're a celebrity? D-list. D-list. Yeah, I'm probably D-list, sort of like. Uh, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week on Trillions, Eric takes a field trip to the Comic Con of ETFs. So you read a recorder when you went to Inside ETF, and you asked some questions of the people there, which we're going to get to. But before we get into that, just tell me a little bit more about what this place is. Sure, it's the Diplomat Hotel in Florida. You go down there. It's Sunday morning. They start at like noon on Sunday. 
lot of people don't and go And this to was it. this past Sunday. Yeah, and they end on Wednesday. So it's a, it's a couple days, and like I said, 2,400 people. The majority seem to be issuers, but you have also a lot of advisors, right? Mm-hmm. So the issuers want to talk to the advisors. Then the service providers want to talk to the issuers. So everybody's sort of trying to do business there. At the yeah. same time, it's a little incestual. You see it's the same people. It's a big, cozy people. hot tub. It is. It's a yeah. big, cozy hot tub. <laughs> or jacuzzi in my jacuzzi. case. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, what was the mood this year? I thought it was happy. Um, There was a $467 billion that came into ETFs last year. That's more than they had in assets total when the thing started 11 years ago. So we're talking big boy numbers. Everybody's happy. I think there's some concern that uh, just the market has just been going up too long. But that isn't – they still are fired up about the ETF structure having the winning hand Mm -hmm. out there. And as this event has kind of snowballed, how has it changed Like I said, it's gotten more formal. You see bigger companies, bigger exhibits. This year, Oppenheimer had this huge, it was really effective, but they did a multi-factor equalizer, like a a life-size stereo equalizer. Mm. And if you, it turned to the market you think that's going to be there, like say, let's say a down market or an up market or uh, raising rates. And then the the factor levels would change from value to uh, to, uh, momentum to size, and it would sort of tell you where to tilt your portfolio. So it was a multi-factor equalizer life size. Then Deutsche Bank had an ice cream truck. It's always good to give out free ice cream. That worked. Everybody was like, I love the ice cream. And the ice cream truck was supposed to symbolize how HYLB, a high-yield bond ETF, is plain vanilla. Now, high-yield bond— Bringing it back to food. I I mean, it's so easy. And I do remember five years ago, the big debate— and controversial thing was smart beta. People, the term pissed people off. Uh, the concept, uh, people were pro and anti. And every panel, no matter what it was about, somebody would bring up smart beta. Now, smart beta is completely accepted. That's just like was in its lane. Bitcoin was the thing, and cryptocurrencies mm. that made it into every panel. So yeah, I was wondering about the themes it, that totally you, you heard about, right? And crypto was all over, huh? Yep, cryptocurrencies. Uh, another big thing was this: the hedge fund industry and how. ETFs are yet to sort of like knock out or give a good punt to the hedge fund world. And, mm-hmm. and people think that liquid alts and hedge funds are the next place where ETFs will make uh, cause some damage because hedge funds are have maintained their $3 trillion as whereas active mutual funds are feeling the pain of ETFs more. So between that, that big dial and the ice cream truck, what was the coolest thing you saw? Quincy Jones. Oh. Yeah, and that was fun. I mean, look, I grew up with Thriller, so this was a this was a pretty big. He's sitting at the booth. It's almost like the booths are getting more and more like having to have something like really yeah. attractive there. Right. You know, you have all these like uh, giveaways. Which, by the way, I brought you a something from there oh, that you I did? think, yeah, from Quincy, not from Quincy, but something from the event that oh, is man, a piece I can't of swag. Wait. What is this that I feel like you're ready for? It's tiny. What is this? It is a pin. Oh man. It says ETF nerd. Oh, man. I'm literally going to put this on my lapel right now. (laughs) I feel like I'm part of the tribe now. Even though if I showed up at this thing, they'd be like, get this guy out of here. (laughs) They'd be like, he's eating all the ice cream. Yeah, he's just eating ice cream. (laughs) Who is this guy? You're not an ETF nerd. You're an ice cream eater. No, no. Look, man, this is a it's a big tent. And I think uh, I like the idea of ETF nerd. Listen. This conference really has its finger on the pulse of the new investing in Wall Street, which is more nerdish, more data-driven, more diverse. This is not the Bud Fox Wall Street that you see at this conference. This is much more people all working together. Uh, you know, there's, a, I guess, a little element that when you have uh, some of the bigger firms involved. But, you know, it's very pleasant. That's why I, I like it. And I think that the nerd word 
fits well to the tone of some of the people who are in it. I'll take it. Happily. Welcome to the Nerd Club. So so you brought a recorder. You got to talk to a couple different people who do various different things in the industry. Who's the first one that you want to talk about? Um, let's start with Wes Gray. Wes was there with uh, two of his colleagues. And Wes is a – he's interesting because he's nor- he's a Ph.D., He's a guy who used to run family office money, like the kind of guy only an institution would hire. But he launches some ETFs that do his active strategy, but his clients don't like taxes, and ETFs are very tax efficient. So he, you get access to a guy like Wes through an ETF. So Wes is there sort of as a small issuer, but also as a really respected sort of PhD active manager. Okay, let's listen to that clip. Everyone in the world in the ETF industry is here. So we got doctors, service providers. We have a lot of clients down here where we walk them around and show them what's cooking. Um, and then just, yeah, meet and greet, be part of the scene. It's uh, unlike mutual fund conferences or a lot of the old financial services. This one's actually fun. Um, so you can, you know, have a drink with your favorite people, and it's a great time. So I think he captures the spirit in a nutshell. It's fun. Have a drink. It's, again, a little bit of the Catalina wine mixer angle. And ultimately, he doesn't seem like a wine mixer kind of guy. No, I think he gets down. Actually, uh, he's a interesting because he's a guy who is somebody trying to market the fund, and he's got the right attitude. I think, which is, you know, I'm just here to keep the bar low, and you know, good things happen. And you never know; like you meet somebody, and then three months later, it turns into something. But ultimately, Wes is also one of these guys on Twitter, and so that's how I met him. And there's a lot of people there who met on Twitter or digitally. I met a couple people this this time who I I felt like I know very well, and now I met them in person just because I've been communicating with them on Twitter. And Wes is big in that scene too, so it's almost like meeting a pen pal or something. Okay, who's the next person that you got to talk with? We're going to hear from Brian Lake of J.P. Morgan, who used to be at PowerShares, and he's a guy who has been in the industry a long time. He was at the very first Inside ETFs. Uh, what's noticeable to me is that how many different organizations there are here. I mean, it, when, you, when you started, or even just a handful of years ago, there was maybe 10, 20 booths and, and different issuers, and now there's over 150 different issuers or something crazy like that, and everybody's got their own unique kind of perspective on it. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, you, you look at the ETF industry compared to, like, say, for example, the traditional mutual fund industry, and, you know, there's over 1,000 different mutual fund companies with over 15,000 different mutual funds out there. So uh, you you can still see that the ETF industry is just young in the grand scheme of things. So when you were in Florida, that might have been the beginning, the top of the first inning. What inning are we in now? I don't even know if that was the top of the first. I mean, that might have been warm-ups in Little League or something like that because now we're barely, you know, maybe we're playing uh, the first inning in uh, major leagues. But, um, you know, I started orienting myself when I was thinking about on the plane ride over here. I think it's time to start talking about 30 trillion in 2030, so 30 and 30. Um, and I actually think if you start measuring that out, the numbers aren't too far off. I think we could actually get towards that direction. It's only about 12 years away. We're at five now. You can see a double, a double kind of thing. You, you're, you're not terribly far off. So that guy's optimistic. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, this is a guy at J.P. Morgan. Uh, J.P. Morgan had a huge booth there. You have a lot of these big firms being optimistic. That, to me, really is big because they've joined this sort of grassroots thing and also what I found interesting was this comparison to the mutual fund world. You know, when you have people thinking that this is the future and it's cool, and these are even big firms saying this, I mean, I, I can't imagine going to the ICI conference, uh, that, which is the big mutual fund one. And I've been there. It, it's fine. It's just not – it doesn't have that same vibe. And it's got to be tough. But a lot of these firms also go there. They have mutual funds. So they're sort of – you know, have, they're doing both sides. Uh, sidebar or maybe footnote. 
the conference business. I've been to uh, Consumer Electronics Show, CES, which is like the world's biggest trade show multiple times. The business of the booths, I think, is like a great story because everybody's got like this booth that, you know, has to be on brand and yeah. and it's so big and they like yeah. break them down and put them in storage or ship them and it's... I mean, yeah. it's a it's a huge business. No, I I had a I was there on Sunday and there was these crates and they had like that stamp like at a rock show instead of Iron Maiden it said like Wisdom Tree, <laughs> and it was like the load in you know what I mean. And yeah. uh, you're right, it's like a big show and the booths. You're right, there was thematically linked swag which I love. There's yeah. pens and stuff, but well, like one guy had like a robot and it's and its appendages were USB ports. You could plug in four yes, iPhones he, charging yes, from this that little droid. That actually sounds awesome. Yeah. By the way, I saw a photo. Uh, I think you, you you tweeted it right the the Robo ETF didn't they have a robot there They had an actual robot working on like a, a chip that was moving its arms around and show, um, show me that again Show me yeah, show so, me what yeah, it was like I was doing the robot there. it was like <laughs> uh, yeah no I'm from the 80s I know how to do the robot okay <laughs> don't, don't 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 ask me Okay so we we talked to the issuer and now we talked to uh, JP Morgan on the custody side who else So next up we're going to hear from Mike Costa of the Daily Show Daily Show. We, yeah, I mean, this is like for real. We yeah. actually have like real people there. Yeah. He's a writer and he's a stand-up comedian. And I got to tell you, he did a, a, a set during lunch. It was knockout, man. You, you got to look this guy up. It was like a, it was like a machine gun of comedy. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was remarkable. Uh, what advice do you have for ETF investors? Well, I don't even know what ETF stands for. I mean, Roy Wood Jr. made the joke that it was electric funds transfer, but that's EFT. You know, isn't it, isn't it like... Put money in when the stock market's going up. Take money out when the stock market's going down. Is that? I'm a comic. I don't know this shit. That music was amazing. Were you guys in like a like a jazz club? After lunch, I guess they have you know tracks they play when people are shuffling out of the hall and uh, they play jazz. Yeah, I, look, I, a lot of the, I had to interview these people right on the spot before they you know went home or whatever. So yeah, I don't know if it went with that scenario, but it was funny. It was. Uh... It was interesting when he said, "Put the money in when the stocks go up and take it out when they go down." And he really put his finger on the biggest problem with investors. You know, when the chart goes up, they start investing. And when the chart goes down, they take the money out. And that's the exact opposite of what you should do. So he should probably attend and uh, go to the, some of the panel sessions. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Okay, a uh, lot of dudes here at this place. Did <laughs> you get to talk to any women? There were a lot of dudes. Uh, but no, uh, women were there. There's a big organization called Women in ETFs. They had a big breakfast. They're a huge organization with uh, branches in, I got to think at this point, 50 or 60 cities. It's major. There's a lot of women in the industry. It's still predominantly men, though. But uh, yeah, we got Elizabeth Kashner from FactSet, who's sort of like me. He's like a Todd Rosenbluth. There's, there's about six or seven of us that are, have been analysts for about a decade, and she's one of them. Women in ETFs is a tremendous force for good in this industry in terms of partnering women, men, and our major organizations to achieve a goal that we all believe in, which is the advancement of women in the financial services field. There is a tremendous movement afoot, which has already been mentioned from the stage at least twice that I've seen, and that is the rise of social activism in terms of the major asset managers taking a stand in terms of how they vote their shares. 
There's a lot of buzz about ESG investing. Frankly, there's not a lot of assets in ESG investing, nor is there any demonstrated risk-adjusted return. However, the move to be active and take a stand with trillions of dollars and something like 5, 10, 15 percent of assets in U.S. companies, that moves the needle. I'm starting to see that openly discussed and claimed bravo. Okay. Women in ETFs is maybe five or six years old, and it's going stronger than ever. I've, I've moderated a few panels at their event. There's also some pretty awesome tickers that are specifically sort of built around this premise. Yeah, so State Street has an ETF that's called Gender Diversity, which is the ticker is she. And this gets the exactly her both her points. State Street's offering you an ETF that allows you to sort of funnel money to companies that have women leading it or a high percentage on boards. That's the ticker she. There's a one called her in Canada. At the same time, State Street, the company, has been very active as a rising shareholder of corporations, not just in that, but actually as just spy, you know, owns a lot of stock, to push more for gender, gender diversity. So what she's saying is that ESG ETFs and investing has kind of been a little bit of a dud. They don't have like $4 billion, $5 billion in assets. It's not much given the hype. But ESG as a mantra from the passive fund companies is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And they have moved the needle. They're trying to. Larry Fink just wrote this big letter. There's some critique that a letter isn't enough. But ultimately, these passive funds are, are going to be the biggest shareholders of America's companies. And so what they're doing in terms of ESG is important to a lot of people. And of course, State Street had probably the most viral marketing campaign that financial services has ever seen last year, right? Yeah, that statue downtown across from the bull, I think it was called Fearless Girl. Yep. Yeah. People forget that was literally a statue to market she. But it it just took a life it's on. That definitely went viral. It was interesting. It It was really worked well with the bull. The whole thing just worked as a piece of art. Did you get to see any more frenemies while you were there? I did. In fact, the next clip we have is Ben Johnson of Morningstar, who is definitely a competitor. Again, uh, one of the panels or I guess uh, presentations was they had eight analysts on stage to argue for the best new ETF. I was up there. Ben was up there. Uh, and, uh, and Elizabeth. Do you guys prank each other before you go up? Do you like give them some like bad data or something? <laughs> no, but there was some stuff going on on stage that I thought was like one guy used slides and he won. Matt Hogan, uh, I got to use slides next year. I uh, I did not win. Mm. And uh, Wait, Tom like Lydon, yeah, the audience votes based on noise. And you didn't win. I didn't win. I I was a little flat that morning. I didn't get a good night's sleep. I also picked a corporate bond ETF. Oof. Note to self: if you're trying to win over a crowd, stay away from fixed income. Yeah. Uh, use slides. Tom well, Lydon, know your audience, man. Know your yeah. audience. Tom Lydon even read a poem. So it really, I think it was more of a contest of who had the best show. Next year, I'm going to bring it though. I'm so, I get I, it. I can't believe you didn't win. Such a letdown. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've fallen in your eyes. <laughs> so here's Ben Johnson of Morningstar. My biggest takeaway is that most of the bandwidth at this conference has been dedicated to what are largely, if you look at the data, distractions as far as investors are concerned. Cryptocurrencies, blockchains, multi-factor funds, you name it. All of these newfangled and increasingly complex and costly contraptions that are being rolled out to the marketplace are not earning their fair share of investors' money relative to the amount of time and attention and ink that's spilt on them. Blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. Yeah, pot, pot, pot. I mean, <laughs> party, party, party. Yeah. Uh, li- listen, he's right. And I've had this new formula I'm, I'm uh, working out where 95% of the media coverage is on stuff that would be 5% of your portfolio. It's true. If that. If right? that, yeah. 
maybe 0.5%. You know why? Because the media and media is growing more and more prevalent. They're going after readership and clicks. And if you write about Quincy Jones, Pod, or Blockchain, you're going to get double, triple the clicks as if as if you uh, compared the Vanguard value with the iShares value fund, even though those two suckers have like $40 billion. And this is just any industry. The, the, the fringe stuff that just sort of sticks out gets a lot of the attention. Yeah, jazz hands. Yeah. yeah. But arguably, as we saw last year, almost all the money goes to boring, cheap beta. So cheap beta, but then you also saw a great t-shirt while you were there too, huh? I did. Advisor Shares, which is a active, actively managed ETF shop, had a vote for alpha t-shirt that was, look, vote for Pedro, which mm-hmm. is close to my heart. I love the uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, so good. So some of their- Give um, me your tots. And they also had one a couple years ago that had Pac-Man eating up like dollars, I suppose, like Alpha Man. So they're kind of clever trying to keep the alpha dream alive. So even active managers have a role here. And a lot of them like to be in the ETF structure because as an active manager, if you trade a lot in the portfolio, if you're in a mutual fund, you're going to get your investors' capital gains distributions. Mostly you can avoid that in the ETF structure. Okay. Main event, Quincy Jones. Does Quincy Jones know anything about ETFs? If he does, it's not a lot. Uh, he's not there for that. You know, he's, he's part of, I think, what you're seeing with the marketing. But if you talk to Quincy Jones, the reason he's there is because there's a new firm launching called Iconic Beta. Now, this is a firm that wants to sort of like open up investing to people who aren't invested to make it more fun. And one of the ways they're doing that is they're going to take experts or celebrities in different fields and attach them sort of to the name, work with those people to pick out the companies and the trends in that industry. And then that way you can invest sort of alongside somebody who's an expert. And so this ETF that is going to be launched soon, I'm pretty sure, probably in the next couple of weeks, is called QJ. And it's going to... Uh, That's awesome. I know, right? It's going to track uh, streaming music companies, companies all across the world. It's going to be equal weighted. And it's a classic theme ETF. And you, it wouldn't be, nobody would have blinked an eye if it was called the streaming music ETF. We've seen a lot of those. But the Quincy Jones was what made it so new. And it made people wonder if there'll be a, a string of these. And according to Iconic Beta, yeah, they have about a dozen lined up if and when this one gets approved. Did Quincy perform? He didn't. Uh, he just talked. He was very social. I mean, you just go up and talk to him. He's a big fan of Mike Bloomberg. Apparently, they didn't, they, he did an event with him with Whoopi Goldberg, and he goes, oh, I love that guy. Bottom, the bottom line is we have songwriters and singers and musicians that work their butt off to learn what they're doing, you know, and they should be taken care of, you know. It's not right to take their music and piracy. It's, it's, it's immoral. Right. It is. Has that hurt the industry and, in, like, developing yeah, artists? Yes, is, is Okay. So the yeah, you yes, think the meat... They the, take anything. Just take whatever they want. Um, and what do you think of this conference so far? Hmm? What do you yeah, think of the I, conference? I, I'm having a good time. Yeah. yeah. Nice people. <laughs> I love that guy's voice. It's so good. It's good, right? Yeah. He, you know, he, was, he was exactly the legend you thought he would be. One thing he said that was interesting, the reason I, I picked that clip from our interview, was that I have gone along in my presentations, and I compare the ETF to the MP3, in that the MP3 really disrupted the whole record business. It made music cheaper, and it brought the revenue of the record business and cut it in half. And the ETF is kind of like that. It's flexible. It's cheap. It's sort of the technology like that. But he made me rethink this a little bit because he's right. The MP3 and the piracy definitely hurt nurturing new artists. And, you know, there is some truth to if everything's free, Will there be anyone who could rise who has skills as an active manager? And I think that's a concern with some going forward because you do need active managers 
who are educated and well-paid to invest actively so that passive can ride their coattails. That's the whole reason passive works. I also like that he opened with bottom line, which is like one of my favorite places to just use again and again. Bottom line, bottom line. It's probably because he's you know talking to artists. Yeah, like, look, right. Bottom, bottom line, line, we need more bass in yeah. this. Bottom line is actually a thing that we use throughout Business Week at the bottom of some of our articles to say, bottom line, just cut to the chase. Here it is. <laughs> Do you like how I made it about me again? That was great, right? In Business Week? I, it's yeah. just like straight, yeah. straight I, back. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I can't tell you got a promotion. Oh. We also want to say thank you to Jordan Bell, who's been our producer from the beginning, and she's moving on. She got us here, and remember all those pre-recording things we did before we went live? It was like torture, but we got here because of Jordan. Yeah, Jordan had to listen to our sort of six-week rehearsal, sort of like a band finding their sound. She had to go through all that, and it was it was tough. And just one note on that first episode, when I explained diversification to Jordan, a few people thought that was a little condescending. Uh, a little condescending. And if you know Jordan and know how he worked together, it was not like that at all. I didn't, you know, I, Joel kind of forced me in, into that position. Oh, it's my fault now. Okay, He's like, explain right, well. it to Jordan, who knows nothing. And so I kind of got into that <laughs> totally role. But happened. I love her. She was great. And, yeah, big uh, fist bumps, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com. Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of other places I probably haven't heard about yet. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weber Show. He's at Eric Balchunas. Trillions is produced by Magnus Henriksen. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. Bye. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com.